organize your amazing ideas into a powerful book, you are in the right place. At the right time to learn how to write your book. Hi, I'm Joyce Glass. And I'm Sherry Lynn Bisbano, and welcome to The Right Hour, nonfiction tips from The Right Coach team. We are so glad you joined us today. Welcome to 1104 of The Right Hour. We continue the power of story. Today, you're going to love hearing Elizabeth Samboon share her harrowing story, Recently, Elizabeth released her book, Elevators of My Life, and after I read the first few chapters, I knew I had to have her on this show. The season is all about the power of story in your writing to help you grow your business. Elizabeth is using her story to help fight against child abuse and sex trafficking. When I think about sex trafficking, I think about girls or children being abducted and taken to foreign countries. I don't think about them being a relative. Just this week, I've heard of two other people sex trafficked by family members. This is something that has been on my heart for years after hearing Louis Giglio talk about it during the Passion Conference. This is a huge and serious problem. The more we are aware of it, the more we can do something to stop children from losing their innocence. If this is a sensitive topic for you, we do not discuss any gory details. It's all in broad terms. Elizabeth is a writer, podcaster, life coach, and motivational speaker. She's a strong advocate against child trafficking. She works with Beyond Trafficking and helps them with the curriculum for their new safe house called Amanda's House. She loves helping people. She completed her surrogacy in 2018, and she loves photography and is a huge foodie. Are you ready to write your story? Hi, and welcome to this episode of The Right Hour. I am so excited to have Elizabeth with me. And how do you pronounce your last name, Elizabeth? Samboon. Samboon. All right. And we're going to be talking about story. Elizabeth has written a powerful story called, oh my gosh, I forgot the name, Elevator what? Elevators of my life. Elevators of your life. There we go. I apologize for forgetting that. Um, But Tell us a little bit about you and your journey to write your heart-wrenching story and this overcoming this trauma. Well, I would have to say, you know what, thank you so much for having me on your show and thank you so yeah. much for, for that amazing introduction. So um, my the passion for it came out of, um, it was actually my brother who was like, he was like, you need, you need to tell your story. And I had put it off and put it off. And then I was just like, you know what? There are just too many people in the world right now that are dealing with some of the same issues that I'm with, that I'm dealing with like rejection, depression. And so I was just like, okay, I'm going to do it. So that was, I guess it was really my brother Christopher who really kind of pushed me into the edge of doing it. I had like started it and then I had put it off and then restarted it and put it off. So it was, it was really good of him to just be like, you need to do it. Like you need to do it and you need to do it now. So that was, that was how it kind of all got started. So awesome. So about how long did it take you to write it? I wrote it in four days. Wow. I'm impressed. 
Because that's a lot to get through in four days. Well, we had gone through, we had gone through something as a family, we had gone through something really traumatic. And so I was like, I can either get super angry and completely shut down, or I can take this anger and do something really productive with it. And so I was like, okay, I'm just going to do it. So for four days, I sat in my office and I hand wrote it in a day. Oh, wow. And then I typed it up. It took me three days to type it up. And so it was, it was done. Yeah, it was done in four days. My entire book was done in four days. Yeah. I am impressed. I am impressed. So this event kind of was the catalyst for you knowing when you wanted to write that story. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Um, because I mean, people with trauma, it is hard sometimes. Yes. To write that. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, what did, did you work with an editor or a writing coach any along the way? I did. Um, I worked with my editor and you know, it was, um, <laughs> to be frank, I think my, my editor, um, Clara trainer, I think that it was harder for her to, edit the book than it was for me to actually write it. Um, but she, she did an amazing job, I think. Um, and, and I will say this as a warning, like if you have been through trauma and you're like looking to write your book, um, you need to understand that it's probably going to be the editing process that is going to be the most gut-wrenching because it's going to be your editor that's going to be asking you like really personal questions. And some of those questions, like, you know, she would be on the phone with me for like three hours a day. And I just remember this one time I was just like, I have to take a break. It was three in the morning. And I was just like, I have to take, I have to take a break. Call me tomorrow. Like I really have to stop. And um, I think it's really important in the writing process. Um, You know, if you have been through serious trauma, I would say first go through your healing. Mm -hmm. And then when you're going through the writing process, you know, not everybody is as strong as me. Like some people won't be able to do it in, you know, in such a short amount of time. So, you know, you need to know when to take breaks and when to, you know, continue because it is a lot of not just mental work, but it's emotional and it is, you know, it's like an iron going over those pain points. So it's really, really important for you to know when to stop and when to breathe and when to continue for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I always recommend people to work with an editor because that's what really hones in your book. And nobody can look at your work objectively. Like, you can't work at your look at your work objectively is what I meant. Mm-hmm. But somebody else can. I mean, you can yes. be the best writer in the world. And that's what I tell people all the time is, you, you know what? Steven Spielberg, or not Spielberg, King. There we go. Mm-hmm. Right, Stephen. <laughs> Stephen James is another one. Um, on Grisham, any writer that you can think of, all of them use editors because yes. it's a, just it's just a part of the process to make a professional book, to yep. hone it, to refine it, to make it even better. So it's easy for people to read and connect with you, and just makes it better. So I, I'm, I'm glad that you used an editor. And like I told you before we started, I could tell. I've, I've only read, I think, the first, like, three chapters. Mm-hmm. And I could tell you had an editor because 
the way it flowed and it kept yeah. me engaged and I wanted to keep turning the page and I hated to stop it, but I had to stop because I had other things to do when I was reading it and I need to get back to it. But, right. Um, but it is a fabulous book. What a Thank you. Thank you. That is, that is a huge compliment coming from somebody like you. I, I feel very humbled and very honored for you saying that. So thank, thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Welcome. So what helped you when you were writing those memories that were tough to think about? You know, I know when you, you have to kind of relive those painful situations, what are some things that helped you cope with that or work through that? Um, that's a really good question. I think for me, um, I'm a very determined, um, some would almost call me brazen. <laughs> And there's a reason for that. I don't, you know, I don't back down from challenges very often. And I knew that as hard as it was to write about it, truth always has to come forth. Mm -hmm. And it was because I needed to, I needed people to understand, especially people um that work with adopted kids that are thinking about adopting that are helping people that have been trafficked themselves people that are in street ministry i needed them to understand that people with trauma it's not just trauma there's there's more to us than just trauma and the way we think the way that we feel the way that we perceive things is not always as black and white as it may seem to other people. And I think it was because of that knowledge I had, I had to write it because without it, people just assume, well, you know, they're just that way just because they want to be, or they're using drugs just because it's a cop out or they need to understand the pain that gets them on the street, that gets them addicted, that, you know, and I'm thankful that, you know, that wasn't my story, but in all reality, that should have been me. You know, I should have been the addict. I should have been the hooker on the street, you know, you know, you know, turning tricks for her drugs. That should have been my story. And, but I needed to have people to understand that truth. And I think that was what propelled me through those moments when I was just like, I don't know if I could, I could even, you know, there were times when I was talking to my editor, I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. Like, it was so hard, but it was just like, no, like this, this, this story needs to happen because people need to understand um, so many things about trauma and cults and just other things that you know they just don't have that concrete knowledge about right right so what is your hope with this book with helping people with trauma um I think that there's a couple of things um one one thing that I really wanted people to understand is that sexual trafficking is not always the runaway teenager that, you know, has gotten into drugs. It's not always, you know, the kid in the Philippines that is being trafficked in some third world country where, you know, foreigners are, you know, tricking them out. It's, it's, 
it can happen in your own backyard. My sexual trafficking took place in Oklahoma, the Bible belts of America, you know, um, the and, doctor. And explain to the, for the listeners how old you were. Cause that's I was three when I was sexually trafficked. I was sexually trafficked from the age of three to four. And I had, it started off with the person, my stepfather burning me with cigarettes on purpose. And the doctor looked at my mom and he was like, I know that this was done on purpose. She has a third degree burn on her arm. Like I know that this happened on purpose, but because I know you and I know your mom, because I delivered both of you, I am not turning you into social services. And I think that we have this very narrow mindedness when it comes to what does sexual trafficking really look like? And, um, Oh, and I'm assuming the doctor at that point had no clue that that's what was actually. No, he didn't know at that point. And my mom had really, really neglected me because there were moments when I was just reeling in stomach pains and I was like, bleeding profusely and she still didn't take me to the doctor i'm sure if she had taken me to the doctor i'm probably pretty sure that cops and stuff would have been called and you know i would have been immediately removed but so that that's a part of it um the second part of it is my goal is to help i'm i'm a surrogate i i got to do the amazing gift of surrogacy and um people adopt for the so many wrong reasons. And I think that that was the other goal of my book is to help people to understand that are looking for adopt. And, you know, I made this comment very clear. I believe like in my forward that I am not against adoption. I think adoption can be amazing. And I think that open adoption is an amazing thing, but (laughs) What happens with adoption is people think that it is going to cure them of infertility. And I want to make this very clear cut, and it's going to sound very harsh, but this harshness is coming from a place of love and very deep understanding of working with infertile couples and doing surrogacy with them. Children who are adopted cannot fix broken wombs. We do not have the ability to cure that insatiable need to have a biological child. You are going to feel the same emptiness that you feel with with kids or without them. Because we cannot replace that biological need that a lot of moms have to have a child. It's just not possible. We can, and this is the other thing too, is that people assume that just because they're getting infants, it doesn't, you know, they're going to be perfect. Hmm. But they don't understand is there's a lot of hidden diseases and disorders that come from biological parents that did not look after themselves when they're pregnant. And that is something that, and sometimes it's not as curable as, you know, this or that. Um, so that's the other goal that I have is to help people to understand the whole adoption process and that a lot of people that take on 
adopted kids from teenagers that a lot of times, nine times out of 10, those adoptions are not even consensual adoptions. They are often coerced and they don't have the capacity at 15 and 16 to understand that this is going to affect them for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. And you need to have a guardian at litem when there is somebody that is even under the age of 21 to help them to understand that this, the stuff that you're signing is irrevocable. Right. And if they do not understand that, um, because I can tell you 100% with certainty that most babies, a lot of babies that are adopted sometimes come from the black market. So. It's, it's a very important thing for a lot of people to understand. So that, that those are, so, and I think the other thing too, is just to help people that have gone through trauma to help them understand that there's life after trauma, there's life after abuse, if they're willing to do the work and, you know, help them to understand that, wow, if she can do it, then so can I. So I guess it's like a three, a threefold mission. <laughs> right. And it, it's a, well, because you, you hit on a lot of different pain points and it's going to touch people in different ways. Yes. I think that's beautiful what you're doing because I, you know, I have family members that have adopted and I can, and can relate how yes. that is tough and it, it doesn't always go as planned no matter how perfect the family unit may be. Yes. Um, there's still going to be struggles that that child has that you're not yes. going to understand completely. Mm-hmm. And so you've got to just do the best you can do. As I have actually have three cousins that have adopted. Oh, well, you know what? I'm really thankful that your aunts and uncles have dove into that journey and that, you know, they're, they're doing the best that they can because it is not an easy thing to, um, to be adopted, to adopt. And that, that's a huge labyrinth of things that somebody has to go through. So I'm so proud of your family for, for jumping in and, I'm so so grateful for them for for doing that because it's I I really congratulate them for 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 being brave and it it's and it hasn't been an easy journey for any of them by any means but I'm sure not but it's um you know it's one that all of them have done the best they can do absolutely and the love that that child would not have received had it stayed in the family that it was in so absolutely for sure yeah. for sure. Well, changing gears a little bit here, tell us a little bit about your writing time. Do you have a consistent time you write? Do you write daily? Or what, what are some things that work for you and some things that maybe don't work for you? Um, okay, so I'm a pamster. <laughs> sort of. Um, I've kind of curved my, my writing journey a little bit. So I am a pamster, but I kind of... In my mind, I kind of have an outline to get me to the end of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really have a, um, I call it surfing the wave of inspiration. So what that means is, um, and my poor husband, you know, he has to deal <laughs> with my 2.30 wake-ups because, you know, if that, you know if, I, if I wake up and grab a, you know, a drink of water in the middle of the night and then it's like, oh, wait, I've got this great idea you know, I could be at the computer until, you know, 10 hours because, you know, I'm, I'm riding this wave. So, um, now, so with my novels, um, 
you know, I tend to write when I get like super inspired. I tend not to push myself too much if it's just like, okay, this is just not a good writing day or if I've done like a lot of physical activity and it's like super hot. I'm like, no, I'm not going to write. My podcast, I mean, not my podcast, my, I'm sorry, my blog. Um, I kind of only do it if I have like an aha moment. I was trying to blog every day, but I think that, you know, I think it's, it's important to write write stuff that matters and not to write just to say that you've written something. I think that all writing needs to have a purpose to it. Yeah. Um, with my poetry, um, I write when I feel whimsical, I guess. And so, you know, and, um, and I have to say that my poetry is, is definitely me. There's not like, you know, there's no rhyme or reason to why I put certain words together. It's just like, I'm very free-spirited with that. And I, and I think that anytime that you write, you really have to say, you know, is this really what I'm trying to convey? Is this a good time for me to convey this? Um, and, you know, you, you have to be, you have to be careful because, you know, if you're really not in that mode of inspiration, I think that it can it can jar your writing more than it, than it can help your writing. I think in my, in my humble, unprofessional <laughs> opinion. Well, I want to tell me what a pantser is for those that may not know is someone who just kind of goes with the flow of the story and kind of keeps going instead of having a rigid outline. Yes. And they're going point by point by point, you know? Yes. So I, I get that. And, and, and either you're a pantser or an outliner, or you might be a little bit of a hybrid. Now, when it comes to novel writing, I'm more of a hybrid. I'm like, I need to know my points coming up. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to know every little jot and tittle between those points. Cause that's where I kind of yeah. let the story, that's where I pants and let the story kind of unfold. Yes. And, and you know, by asking questions now with my nonfiction writing, and I'm more of, I still don't do like formal outlines. I do a, um, what I call the right plan. It's something I teach my clients and it's a, a series of questions to mm-hmm. bring the story or the book focus. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this season is about the power of story and I love your story. What I oh, think you see. And I want to read more of it. And I will finish that up, but I, I, you definitely have a powerful story and, and, but you don't always have to go through trauma to have a powerful story. You just, whatever. That's definitely true. Yeah. So tell us what words of advice or encouragement do you have for writers who may be struggling to write their book, whether it be about trauma or just their book in general, you know? (laughs) Well, I will say I was, you know, it was so funny because I was thinking about this um, last night because I I was like, you know what, she's she's probably going to ask me this question. And I think for me, um, I think that art, I think the best art comes from pain and you're thinking well wait a second doesn't that correlate with trauma not necessarily so let me give you an example this was brilliant so I was thinking about if you think about the time 
that you lost your pet and you think about the the sadness that you feel when you've lost your pet, you don't have to have like some sort of, you know, tragical tale like mine to pull up pain. But that pain that you feel losing your first pet as a child can get transferred to your character in your story about how they're feeling with loss, how they're feeling with this empty hole in them. And I think too, feelings of, you know, it's important for you to have um, a wide range of emotion. So I remember my very first book that I didn't have an editor and I don't really like talking about this book too much because it didn't get edited. <laughs> um, but it was, it was kind of rushed and, but it was um, my mom um, before she died, she actually edited it for me. So I, you know, it's not professionally edited, but it was still a really good story. And mm-hmm. there was this scene where Susan was about to adopt and the title of it is called caseworkers and butterflies and i called it that because susan was a caseworker and all of her clients or children that were in foster care she was teaching them the art about becoming a butterfly Mm. and there was this moment in my life where my second mom had found out that she was pregnant with her very own natural child and i remember the look on her face when she found out that she was pregnant and i knew that something magical had happened and i was able to transfer that exact same feeling into my book and so it's very, very important as a writer. And so, and you know what? It, the book, the, the storyline was so powerful. It actually made my dad cry. Who's like a big, huge, macho Texan construction worker. He actually bawled when he, when he actually read it. So it actually is a very good, like the, the storyline is very good. And, and I realized that the, the most important key to writing really good, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, is to transfer emotion into the story and to put as much detail as you can um, into the book. So description and character building, I think, are really important. Um, And as far as, you know, encouragement, understand that, you know, I write for the simple joy of writing. I don't even know if my writing is good. I just know that I like doing it. And I think that people get so caught up with this whole fear of rejection and the whole like, oh my gosh, like this is never going to work. You know, I'm not good at this. I'm not good enough. You know, understanding that if you're doing it just to put stories out there, it really doesn't matter you know, if it sells a hundred copies or if it sells just one copy, because you're not doing it for the paycheck, you're doing it for the love of storytelling. You're doing it for the love of just putting your soul on paper and letting other people, other people see the dimensions that are within you. And I think that when you're coming from a place of pure art, that is the difference between a good writer and an amazing writer than somebody who's just looking for a paycheck at the end of the day. Right. You know. I love that because so many people do get caught up in the perfectionism and the self-doubt of I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy to write and forget the joy in the process. 
And if yes. you find joy in the process, it's going to come across in the writing, mm-hmm. of which mm-hmm. then you're going to have people who want to read it. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's, and that's where I tell people all the time and my clients is especially that first draft, get that sucker out there, just write it like you did. And don't worry if it sounds good, if you've got punctuation errors, if you've, you know, misspelled words, don't worry about any of that. That can mm-hmm. all be made pretty. The mm-hmm. point is like you did, you just purged that story and got it out. Mm-hmm. And then about how long did it take to edit the book? Um, it took a roughly around, it took around roughly around four months to do it because my editor, you know, she, she, she does have some health problems and stuff like that. So, you know, I kind of had to work around like appointments and stuff. And, you know, so, um, it probably would like, you know, if she didn't have health problems, I think it would, it wouldn't have been as long, but yeah. So, but yeah, it was, um, and, and that's the, um, you know, when I had my editor tell me, she said, you are a good writer. She says you are a phenomenal writer because like there is so much you have a lot of girth when it comes to writing, you know. And so and I and I think that when you know other people are telling you like, wow, this is good, thank you for sharing that, or even when you're just writing Facebook posts and you're like, wow, that was amazing, you know that you have the gift, I guess you want to call it, you know. And I think it's important to understand that you know you write for the sake of writing and the more you write the better you get you know the more complex your descriptions get in the book you know the more um you know the more clear the syntax is of the story and i think that all comes with just you know a good editor a good writing coach you know whatever you know having a true like i had a team of cheerleaders that were just like you know thriving on just the fact that I was doing this and they were just in my corner saying, yes, you can do it. Keep going, keep going, you know? And I think that's, that's, that's key. That's very, very key is to have a very good team behind you. It is key because when you have those people cheering you on and, and I'm going to give shameless plug here to the TWC writing club. um, That's what we do in that club. We cheer people on and if you can't afford private coaching, then this is the next best thing. Cause right now it's $29 a month and you've mm-hmm. got people that are cheering you on. And what I love is in the group, there's people, they're encouraging each other. It's not just mm-hmm. coming from me and Sherilyn and Keith who run the club. Mm-hmm. It's coming from each other. They're mm-hmm. each other up. And yeah. that's what you want. And that's what you need on this writing journey. Yes. And you know, I love that you did step out and get help and it's 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 perfect and what I was going to tell you you said it took four months you know for a good story to what I call marinate it's just you would have you need good four to yeah. six months you know yeah. and it could take I mean I've had people that I worked with for a year because mm-hmm. between their schedule and my schedule because we were coaching and editing too it wasn't mm-hmm. just editing but, mm-hmm. but it took them that long to write the book between mm-hmm. their schedules and mine and just everything going on and for the story to, to evolve too, especially a first book, which a lot of my clients are writing their first book mm-hmm. that it does take time and it's okay mm-hmm. if it takes mm-hmm. that much time yep. because then, you know, the story is the best it can be. The book is the best it can be. 
Mm-hmm. And that's what you're looking for. You want the, it to be the best it can be and rushing it and getting it out there. That's great if that's you and you can do that. Because some people move faster than others. I know. Yes, yes absolutely. Some personalities, they move fast. Some mm-hmm. personalities, and I'm not one of those. I move at a little bit slower pace because I take things in, I process them, and then get them out. You know? Yes. So it. It just depends on don't what I'm getting at is if someone's listening to this and it takes you a year to write your book, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Not everybody writes their book in four days. Elizabeth is one of the few. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was crazy because my, my editor asked, she's like, you know, for the amount of like, she's like, this is really good she's like for the fact that you wrote it in like four days like there is like so few like punctuation stuff it was it was really actually the thing that she actually had to do it wasn't so much grammar or punctuation she had to cut it because I had put and I was like and that's the other part when you're working with an editor like you have to you can't get attached to your projects like children they are going to be ripped they're going to be torn and it's going to be like and my husband was like, what's wrong? Like, and I'm like, she took that part out. And he's like, it's okay. It's going to be fine. People are going to like it. And I was like, but she took that part out. Like she took it out. <laughs> you know? And I had to understand that this is, this is like part of it, you know? <laughs> so don't get, don't get, don't get too attached to your, you know, to, to certain parts or to certain chapters because you know, it it wouldn't have worked. You know, I had so much in there and she's like, it's too much. It's too overwhelming. Like we have to like bite size it. Like there's too much trouble. (laughs) Right. Right. I, um, I totally get that. And I love how Anne Lamott calls that cut your darlings is what she's calling it. Yeah. What I always tell people is, you know, put those all in a document, everything that's cut. And that could be, you know, that could be content for a Facebook post. Yes content for a blog yes. or something else, you know, or for another book, you know, it could, it could be for another book. It depends obviously what it is. Yes. But I, I love that. I also, we had a client I worked with last year, um, was helping her with her. Um, she wanted to do a memoir, but we were, ch- we changed it to more of a self-help book with, with her story woven through. Right. And it, her what she had written she it was her story of what she had been through and stuff and hers was eating disorders and some other things mm. and um 190,000 words for a non-fiction book that's that's longer than some novels <laughs> like i am one of those <laughs> so just to give you a, an idea of a non-fiction book is generally anywhere from 40,000 words to about 90 maybe 100 mm-hmm. 5,000 words. Um, she was like way, 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 way over it. So when we went and started distilling it down, that's when it really got hung down. It was better. And it, it got the point across. So what your editor would do for you, what I do for my clients is not everything has to be in there to make a powerful point. Yes. yes you, know, true. It, you can still make a powerful point without every little jot and tittle of the story. So that you did that. So I appreciate that. That's great advice. You know, and I think, and uh, all the the other thing that I would throw in there too is um, beta reading. Make sure you have good, strong 
beta readers. Um, you know, before we put this out on Amazon, you know, I had really, really strong beta readers who are avid readers of, you know, the kind of genre that I was doing. And they're like, no, this is really phenomenal writing. I'm, and I'm not trying to like, you know, these are their words. These aren't my words. Okay. I'm not going to classify, classify myself as a phenomenal writer. I'm not going to do that. These are their words. But, um, and I think that that's probably my other like really good point is make sure you have really good beta readers because if they're going to enjoy it, then other people are also going to enjoy it as well. So yeah, definitely. definitely. And beta readers for those that don't know, it's just someone that you can choose. They don't have to be an editor or a writer, but they're an avid reader. And like Mm -hmm. you said, of your, the genre that you're writing in, then, and they can give some good and valid feedback, you know, Mm -hmm. they can say, I got lost here and I was mm-hmm. a confused at this part. He, you might need to clarify that or, mm-hmm. you know, it's just feedback. They're not going to be doing your punctuation and anything like that. Mm-hmm. It's just like broad feedback. And, yeah. Um, they might say, Oh, it's kind of slow. You know, you might mm-hmm. need to pick up the pace or mm-hmm. whatever. There's all kinds of things they could say. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, that helps. Then, you know, that you're hitting your target audience mm-hmm. when your beta readers love it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely. And, and that's where you want your beta readers to come from. And there's all, a thousand ways that you can find beta readers. You could, you know, if you have a Facebook page or a Facebook group mm-hmm. and start a group and put them in there, how did you find your beta readers? Um, my beta readers all came from my editor. So she had a, friend that was a nonfiction reader. Um, she had read uh, Running with Scissors and I think Spilled Milk. And then her daughter had read um, The Child Called It series. Um, and they said to me, like, it reads almost like that. I mean, the same kind of, like, writing style and stuff like that. Um, and I think there was like several other people that she, that she had found. So I didn't really have to do too much when it came to that because my editor already had a pretty good circle of of people that did that for, you know, for me. So that was really awesome. And I hands down to to my editor for sure, because she really did help a lot. So, yeah. Well, and that's a great resource. I mean, for those that don't know, um, I I met Elizabeth in my Facebook group, write my book on fiction and she shared the link. And I just happened to go out there because I think you wrote a little bit about it. And this is the other thing that I will advise. I will give to any writer. Do not go in a group like that and just drop the link and not say anything. You actually said something about it. That got me interested in the book because I want to say, okay, why do I need to take the time to open this link? Give me a reason Mm-hmm. Open this mm-hmm. Absolutely. When you gave me just enough. And I mean, I don't even think it was a paragraph. It was probably <laughs> sentences. And it was just enough to get me interested. So I looked at the link and I'm like, hmm, interesting. And then I buy it and I'm like, wow, this is really interesting. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> you know, that when you are promoting, that's your marketing tip for today. Is <laughs> when you're promoting your book. And you're going to different groups that will allow you to do links. That's the other thing. Make sure you're in groups that will allow you to do links because some won't. 
Mm-hmm. And in my group, I do want people to share what they're writing because mm-hmm. I do want it. It's a free group. I want people to support each other mm-hmm. and help each other out. So as far and as I love your group, by the way, um, I've, I've been in there for a few weeks and I, I love the positivity and, um, just like the tips and stuff like that. And I was just like, I think it actually did give me like a little bit of like a nudge to be like, okay, so like, what's like my next project? Because like after like this one just hit the shelves like last month. So it was just like this huge wave of like (gasps) my very first Amazon book, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, so what next? So I think that it's good to, you know, to be a part of, um, you know, your page and, you know, everything that you're about, because we so need that, like, encouragement, because otherwise, it's like, well, you know, I can be doing something else. And I think having that, you know, food for inspiration, and that food for motivation, it's like, okay, so I can keep going, you know, I'm really good at this. So yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for, for, you know, for allowing me in the group, because I really do love it so much. (laughs) Also, and for that, because, um, you know, that's, that's the whole point of the group is mm. to get people, um, you know, a little bit of tips, a little bit of encouragement. Cause my whole thing is the writing journey is, can be a lonely journey and, yes. and you can get, like you were saying, you can get lost up in your head. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, what's next? And, well, do I really want to do that next? And if you're in a group, you know, so-and-so is doing this book and so-and-so is working on this mm-hmm. book. Like, okay. What am I going to work on next? Or what's yeah. You know, is marketing one thing I need to be doing right now? Hey, I need to check out Keith's marketing tips. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. So, speaking of Keith, is, his turn is ne- is tomorrow. Um, Wednesday, he he does two Wednesdays a month. He's on one time. He's by himself, and at the beginning of the month, we are all together, Sherilyn and, and Keith, um, talking about a writing tip or a marketing tip. Is what we're yeah. Doing. We're doing one every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern time in the group. So, okay. There is a plug for that too. (laughs) So all the links that we've talked about will be in the show notes. And I so appreciate you being here, Elizabeth. It's been wonderful getting to know you. Oh, thank you so much, sweetie. I had, I had such a good time talking to you and I am so thankful that, um, you know, I, it's crazy the doors that this has opened for me. I actually have another person that's um, involved in the the stopping of sexual trafficking that also wants to be on her podcast. And I'm just like, wow, like this book just hit the shelves, like, you know, like literally like a month ago and it's not even. It's a tough topic. And it's one I think I told you is near and dear to my heart because I learned about sex trafficking how rampant it is now about six, seven years ago, um, the passion conference that Louis Giglio runs. Yes. He had um, multiple people in there. Christine Kane is a very, you know, very big. Yes. Christine Kane. I love her so much. She's like my all time hero. I love her so much. You could just love to sit and listen to her, you know? Yeah. She's from Australia and she's sassy. So, I mean, she's You can't get any better than that. Like, and she and she has a heart for this, and she has yes. has an uh, organization called A Twenty One that helps people get out of sex mm-hmm. and, and then helps them heal through that. Yes, and move on with their lives. And um, I was opened up to the fact of sex trafficking and slavery that goes on all over the world, mm-hmm. and even in your back door. Now I live near Atlanta, Georgia, and. 
I've heard Atlanta is one of the worst places. It is, yeah. Uh, for the sex trade. And that's so hard for my brain to comprehend because I grew up in the suburbs of Atlanta. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure there's stuff that happens there. I know there's stuff that happens there. But, yeah. But I was not privy to it and not, you know, mm. didn't know about it. And so it just blew my mind away when I learned how rampant and how worldwide this is a problem. It is. It really is. And, you know, that, you know, it's, it's really interesting too, because, you know, when people read my story and realize that, you know, it was, it's in this really small hip town, you know, two hours outside of Tulsa, you know, on the border of like Arkansas and Oklahoma And, you know, people are like, wow, this like really happened. And, you know, it's really um, eye opening because like my editor was like, how did this happen to you at three? Like she couldn't imagine it. And I'm like, she's like, can you like explain it to me? Like, I don't understand. Like, why would, how did this happen? Like, like, how did this physically happen? You know, she just, she just couldn't, she couldn't wrap her brain around it, you know? And I think that, and I tried to write it in a way, you know, because I'm sure that now people are like, oh my gosh, like what, what's entailed in this book? It is very, it's very well written that that there's not gross details that's going to be. No, there is not gross detail. And I did that on purpose because, you know, I don't want people to be, you know, repulsed by it thinking like oh it's too it's too graphic and so I tried to write it very um I guess if you can term it classy (laughs) it is I mean it is it's 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 written in a way that it's insinuated you can tell from your reactions and things going on what's really going on yes without having every detail of what's going on Yes. Yes. And I, and I did that because I didn't want this to be like, you know, especially for people that, you know, are in the South and who are in the Bible belt to be like, I'm not touching that book with a 10 foot pole. And, you know, and there isn't any cursing. Like I would, I would probably rate it like a PG 13 because, you know, there's nothing overly graphic about it. It's just the subject matter. Um, and that is, and I just wanted to touch on that real quick. When it comes to the rating on Amazon, I had to put it as a mature rating because of the subject matter. And I don't want kids, you know, picking it up and being like, oh, this looks like a really interesting story without their parents' permission. Because, you know, I want it to be something that, you know, it is a great conversation starter on, you know, what can be done and how this happened and, you know, things to look for. But I wanted it to be something that the whole family could read, you know, kind of do it as like a Bible study and saying, okay, what would be like the correct response for this? And like, you know, in a Christian perspective to kind of get the conversation started, but there is no cursing. There's not graphic detail. You know, I tried to shield people from from right. the, the, the cruelty I mean, of it for, for those that are adults and understand what's going on they're going to get the picture yes. without yes. the picture being drawn out and that yes. that's as you said that is a classy way to do it that is a yeah. classy way to do it because there are some people who well would struggle to know how to do that for one thing 
or they feel like they need to know, you know, people need to know what really happened. Yeah. Know what really happened. And that's what I tell people all the time who are writing sensitive things. You can tell the story without telling every bit of the story. Yeah. Tell enough of the story that people can understand what's going on and understand the pain and understand that something bad happened without saying, you know, he did this to me. Da, da, mm-hmm. da, da, da. Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. So, yeah, you did. You did a great job with that. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad that that came across because they're like, well, why is it like a mature rating on Amazon? Well, that, that's kind of why, because it does talk about it, but just not, you know, graphically. <laughs> you did great. Well, you have a great day and thank you so much. Thank you so much, sweetie. Have a great day. And um, I'll be looking forward to the link on this so I can share it with with my my people. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Right Hour. Our goal is to help you achieve your writing dreams. You are one step closer to write your book. Learn how to get the book out of your head with the four steps we teach our clients. Sign up for the free email series at therightcoach.biz. The link is in the show notes. The four steps help you clarify your focus, create and organize your content, and complete your book. We share tips on the writing process, and you can download the writing planner to track your progress. Don't let fear and overwhelm keep you from writing your book. It's time to write your book.